Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Giro d'Italia final stage, a procession stage that sometimes when it finishes in Milan is a time trial, but today is a sprint mm-hmm. stage like in other years, 127Ks long. 27 k's long from Rome, outside of the main city of Rome. They go out to the coast and then do a UE, big, long, straight road for the procession part of the stage, and then they enter the city circuit where they do five laps of, yeah, this quite technical circuit with some light pavé, some little uphills. It is very similar to the Champs-Élysées stage, actually, and the finish otherwise is just like the Champs-Élysées is, is wide enough. And in the last K, <laughs> there's not too much technical things to be bothered about. But any news before the stage, Benji? Anything happen overnight? Oof. I don't think much happened. We had some news about the SSA stage, for example, the celebrations of Primage of Yambo and so forth, the, the highlighting that the person that was on the climb that pushed Primoz after the mechanical was supposedly a previous colleague when it comes to ski jumping from him so that's an interesting story but outside of those kind of nibbles of information not too much like we didn't hear, hear anyone like crash uh, well crash out in recon of the sprint stage or have any dnfs beforehand so we we're looking at a sprint stage we were looking at a sprint stage of which your first part would be the typical ceremonial thing i was wondering are they gonna drink champagne or will it be prosecco because it's in italy here did you see them drinking or not yeah, Roglic had a little sippy sippy. I mean, only 14 seconds ahead. I was like, what if Thomas attacks? You've got to be careful. <laughs> There's also intermediate sprint points and bonuses. I think Thomas did an interview before the stage saying he took two and a half hours to piss at doping control last night after the TT. So I was like, how dehydrated was he for that TT? Like, that's crazy to take that long to piss because after a 45-minute effort. It's crazy. Um, so it's not like a six-hour stage in the heat. So that, that was a, an interview before the stage. I was kind of surprised to hear that. Um, anyway, yep, Yumbo did the celebrations for a little bit, and then they kind of got to work. Dennis yep. went on the front. Uh, they're like, let's get this over with. I think actually most people, I don't mind it, to be honest. I hate the Champs-Élysées stage finishing at 9 p.m. It really is just the pits. So, yeah. Thank you for doing that. And eventually, with like 70 Ks to go, we saw an attack of Cesare Benedetti, Skuins, and Ryu. Maxim Bouet, I think. Close enough. Well, there were two invisible Arkea riders in his entire Giro, and it's either Bouet (laughs) or Ryu. And they both wanted to show themselves today, and one of them succeeded, which was Maxim Bouet. So those three guys had formed the breakaway. I was shocked that we did not see the breakaway i was like now you've disappointed me not being in the breakaway today but stakeaway is super competitivity for the entire giro but no 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 he uh 
He's been the, the highlight of this, but he does come in action a few times on this stage because why is Squins in the breakaway, you would ask? Well, first of all, he's probably willing to show himself on the final stage, do something here, but there's also an underlying reason where G and Squins are still fighting for the intermediate points classification. You've got the points classification, which Jonathan Milan is winning, and then you've got the either intermediate points classification, which is basically the one of the breakaway riders taking intermediate sprints, is how I would perceive that classification, and that's where G was leading beforehand, and Squins took quite a bit of points, because at the intermediate sprint, Squins would win the intermediate sprint, while G would sprint from the peloton, then get beaten by a track sprinter at the intermediate sprint, and I actually don't know if Squins passed Derek G or not, because I, I, I don't, don't think... <laughs> this is not a real competition. It's fabricated. They don't even put the... They don't even show it on TV. 4,000 so euros or 5,000? One of the two. Well, that's great. But if there's nowhere to track it on TV, then... Agreed. I mean, does this exist in other races? Anyway, I feel bad for G if he's lost it. Um, if he won it, congrats. If Schoen's won it, congrats to you too. Anyway, the eventually we see Magnus Core. This is like 50Ks go past. Yumbo were controlling. Actually, that's not true. Movistar were with uh, the help of Zambanini for Bahrain, for Jonathan Milan. So they're going for Gaviria Milan. Astana weren't doing too much. Eventually, yeah. Magnus Core attacks as that break's about to get caught. This is with, like, not very long left, but also quite a long, like, 30 minutes left. I was <laughs> like, why would you do that? Because I thought he would be trying the late, late move, like the between... 2.5k and 5k to go in the technical circuit, which is what we saw G do later. Anyway, he does that. Jack S brought back immediately. And then it kind of goes into GC control phase from what I could see because Ineos took it up. Or DSM also were kind of pacing. Yeah, DSM was one of the first teams that were was already doing it for the sprint True, because they, they still it. have Dainese, but Thomas getting to the front and actually having like a sprint train, well, no, a GC train at the front by Ineos, keeping him at the front that was like, is this for purpose of keeping himself at the front? Or will they try something? Because he's already congratulated everybody. He's already congratulated Jumbo Visma, uh, Primoz Roglic. So I was like, it's probably not to try and attack here. But I do feel like there was an opportunity where Thomas could have attacked in this final and I would have loved to see him try it. And that is... In the last five kilometers, we've seen a tag by Derek G, and there's some other dude that gets to his wheel in the Aolo rider. rider. Yeah. And they actually work together a bit, but it's like 20 meters before the, the peloton. And it's Ineos facing that down yeah. with Thomas in second position. I was like, the whole team. why is Thomas not bridging? Because at this point, Roglic was isolated because Afini had worked earlier, yeah. and there was no yellow rider around Roglic in the peloton. So I was like, if... This was not a ceremonial stage. I would have loved to see Thomas attack. And even in a ceremonial stage, I would have loved to see Thomas attack because I don't care about this procession crap. I yeah. want to see GC to the last second. But hey, we were not given it. We were not given that move. They got caught, the Derek G gang up front, and Thomas stayed at the front. And it was interesting because Astana was also moving to the front then. How did you see that? I saw this in two parts. I think Ineos were mainly going for the three-kilometer banner. Yeah. That was the plan, to keep Thomas safe. Dunbar had a mechanical, came back, thankfully. Lechnison, I think DSM were pacing earlier in the stage to try and catch the trio so that Lechnison could go for the bonification to leapfrog Dunbar, but they couldn't do that. Anyway, 
I think Ineos were going for 3K because then they stopped about there. G's moving back, sees Cav, just so happens to be on his left, and then starts pulling on the front with under 2Ks to go, or I don't know how long exactly. And no one has two lead-out men and a sprinter left at this yep. point. It's like Pascal on plus Milan, maybe Hul for Kish. It's Gibbons for Ackerman. There are no trains. So G pretty much takes it up uncontested, lines it out, keeps Cav in fourth position. And at this point in the race, for a lot of the sprint stages, Cav's been in 25th position, 30th yes. position. So he's able to keep in front. Lewis Leon's there. He's not able to really do anything. So if G hadn't done that, I think Cav would have been fucked, actually. Um, he would have got swamped. I think so as well. And just to say it already, after the race, Thomas actually spoke about this event and he said that I was just there and saw Cavendish only had Luke Sanchez, so I thought, let's help a brother out. So he was clearly trying to help out Cavendish to stay at the front. Now, I don't feel like that perfectly worked out either because we go 500 meters further, a kilometer further. We're now closing in towards the last one, 1.5 kilometers. And Cavendish has moved back to the point that he's behind Milan in roughly 15th, 12th position. Let's say 12th position. 15th might be too much, but I think 12th position roughly is where he's at. There's a lot of people still in front of him going into the final kilometer. And at this point, I was like, is he in the lost position again? But then Milan spends his time basically bringing Cavendish to the front because Milan's also realizing I'm in a shit position. I want to move up. And Milan's in the will of Gaviria, who's also trying to move up. And we've got this entire train of sprinters that is indirectly bringing Cavendish in a better position than he was with one kilometer to go. And that's where I'll let it out for you. Yeah, we see a mess, basically. Bas Pascal <laughs> on's the last lead-out man. We've got Jake Stewart there. Milana, I'm like, I just know he's going to try and jump way too early on the left. Gaviria is a bit, like, deeper and on, on Cavs' wheel. And it's... Well, first of all, Milan jumps... And immediately gets back in the saddle. And I'm like, you got nothing. You're finished. <laughs> he, he couldn't sprint. He couldn't open his sprint today. I don't know if he... Whatever happened. But he couldn't sprint today. So he was out. And he jumped way too early. Gaviria does the same thing as he's been doing for years. I actually don't... Like, surely they can do some coaching with him on this. Because it, it must be possible to stop him doing this. But he jumps at 3.50 to go. Cav, who was kind of like waiting for Milan to jump to his left, I think. And Milan didn't. And then Gaviria shoots up the right underneath Pascalon. Cav just jumps on that uh, slipstream, gets into the slipstream. Even though he's not on the wheel, he's in the slipstream. And then they pretty much gap the field. And I knew it was a wrap because there's no way Gaviria can maintain that to the line. He could have kept pedaling and gotten the top five for his team, but he actually stopped trying, which I think if I was on the, uh, the Movistar bus, I would not be too pleased with that effort. And Cav comes out of the slipstream and beats everyone by bike lengths and bike lengths in throwback vintage fashion in the aero position. No one else really in the heli shot for the, what, seventh, eighth different sprinter to win a, a stage in this Giro. Groves, Ackerman, Dainese, Milan, Cav. I've run out. 
Peterson? Peterson. Matthews? Matthews. Yeah, at least that's seven. It. I think that I think that's it, but I think you're at eight, by the way. I don't know if we can neither of us can count, so at this point we could be at ten. Nah. Anyway, regardless of that, it felt like obviously that's not the case with the majority of the Peloton here, but it felt like with with Thomas leading out Leon San Luis Leon Sanchez that had Cavendish in two wheels behind him, with Gaviria launching with 400 meters to go, with Cavendish in the wheel, Milan bringing up Cavendish indirectly because Milan was in a bad position, that indirectly every single person in this peloton helped Cavendish win today, whether they liked it or not. <laughs> because Milan definitely wanted to win, but indirectly brought Cavendish to the front, and Gaviria definitely wanted to win, but he's... He's always launching with 400 meters to go, so he's also bringing Cavendish to a closer end. But it's it's a magnificent way to to finish off the Giro to see Mark Cavendish win a Giro stage in the last Giro stage of his career. I know if he doesn't unretire, maybe he should unretire. But <laughs> this goes to show that there's been no problem with Cav's legs this year, and I think that's been clear to anyone that's been watching him, where he comes third in shoulder press or something, yep. or he's been, he's been pretty decent. The lead outs he's gotten or not gotten have obviously been actually worse than I expected. I thought they would have cobbled together a better lead out than they have because they do have riders that can do it. Siri, it's a bowl. Lars can do a better job than, you know, Louis Leon, man, he, he can't do a lead out. Moscon yeah. can't do a lead-out. Pronsky can't do a lead-out. So they have better riders to do, and I hope at the Tour they can at least pilot him into a salvageable position with 1K to go. And then there have been times where I feel like he, there was a little bit of the Bahrain Cav losing the wheel too easily. Uh, today that didn't happen. He found just that perfect spot himself and had that sense of, okay, Milan's on my left. If he goes hard, I slip again to his draft. Gaviria, bang, I'm onto his draft, split second, correct decision. Yeah. And yeah, he and his sprint was fucking good too. Like he put put gaps on everybody. Exactly, but it's important to note that I believe that this is not Astana's achievement that he won this stage today. I feel like Astana hasn't helped him actually win a Tour de France, a Giro d'Italia, a Tour de France sprint stage. They they haven't moved forward for me in that compared to at the start of the year. They've got close at the start of the year in certain sprints, but also completely flopped certain sprints. And I feel like they're still doing that. So it's not a coincidence that the one time he has held by a great fucking rider like Gary and Thomas to stick at the front, that he ends up winning a stage because positioning has been the issue every single time. And to say now that this is a sign that he can do it in the Tour de France is for me, on one end, I always believe in the speed of Cavendish if he's in the right position to do it, but I don't necessarily believe that Astana can get him there. So he'll need the perfect lead up to a sprint for that to happen in the Tour de France. I believe it's possible, but either Astana needs to get their shit together or Cavendish will have to have a lot of luck when it comes to positioning. And let's be clear, the sprint field quality at this Giro was very, very poor, particularly in the last two weeks with Groves got sick by the first rest day, Pedersen pulled out, and then... You that's not really as well. The big issue is the lead out trains in the Tour de France is a whole different ball game to yeah. this Giro. It's, in my view, a bit easier to surf a wheel when there's more space and less people can contesting. 
Quickstep going to have six riders plus Meliero, Jakobsen. Bora going to have six riders plus Bennett. There's going to be uh, Jayco going to have eight riders with Gronerwegen, Ewan at Lotto. Yeah. So, well, it's going to be even harder. Eds? Pardon? Summon Yates for Jayco? Seven riders, I believe. Seven riders. Summon Yates will be, yeah, okay. Seven with Gronerwegen. Mm -hmm. So, there's going to be even more difficult for Cav, but hopefully they actually send a lead out for him. Uh, what's amazing to me is his recovery. Yep. That such a hard third week. And he had the legs in Milan, didn't, and he had better legs in Gaviria too. So, yeah, wins the sprint ahead of Kirsch, the lead-up man for Pedersen, on Trek, second, Fiorelli, third, Dainese, fourth, Krieger, fifth, Stewart, sixth, Gaviria, seventh, uh, Matthews, eighth, Merit, ninth, Stewart, tenth. Uh, there was a crash as well. Ackerman basically was sprinting with his head down and just kept drifting right until he decided to crash himself was how I saw it. He hit Marit and then crashed into the barrier. Hopefully he's okay, but seemed pretty avoidable to me. I think a Bardiani rider went down as well, uh, but Ackerman got back and sort of was pushed over the line to at least finish the race. I haven't seen a good overhead of that a couple of times though. Um, and Roglic, a somewhat curious image of him rolling over the line solo, celebrating with in the midst of nobody, nobody sort of around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I think he was stressed actually in the finish, which is justifiable. It's a fourteen second gap. It's not like Vingegaard's three minute lead. You can roll in with your team twenty seconds behind the sprint field. No worries. I think he was like. I'm going to finish on in this group and make sure of this, especially after G did the lead out. Um, exactly. yeah, anything else from today? Especially after G was so active in the final as yeah, well yeah. that he's probably a bit nervous about that. But hey, we're, we're ending this year with a Cavendish three. We see Primoz Roglic in the in Maglia Rosa at the end of stage 21. We're obviously, just like every Grand Tour, going to have this kind of recap podcast in the coming days. But very shortly, I feel like we've had a very dull run-up to the final of this Giro with two fantastic last stages. As in, today, fantastic stage, but I also kind of actively only watched the last three kilometers. And the rest of the time I was torturing myself watching the Phantom Menace Star Wars movie, which was just as terrible as watching a dull cycling race. So I don't know if I did myself any favors there. But... What do you think? It's like a spectacular final to a rather dull run-up, no? Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, sort of, because yesterday's not the same as Blanche de Belfi for me, because we actually, there's such limited footage of G and Roglic. Like, yeah. I feel like I didn't see a lot of this TT yesterday. Like, we knew what was happening, but, but, but is that barely good? saw any of it. It's like, on one end, you'd say it's not good because we first of oh, all the time on. gaps the side by sides with the time gaps. That's what you want. Yeah, but sometimes I feel like the crappy TT quality of yesterday might have helped with the plot twist that Thomas was suddenly collapsing. Does that make any sense? Ah, uh, wouldn't it have been better to be like see the gap go from twenty seconds down to four again? And you and then you see it creep up again, and then you see it like I no, I, I would rather have seen the TT. <laughs> uh, is my is my view on it. And yeah, today was as 
good for a procession stage. Um, but we'll have a full recap on Tuesday or Wednesday uh, for you. I've, I downloaded Hogwarts Legacy to play. I'm going to um, pretend I'm five years old again and just melt my brain and play that this evening. Wingardium Leviosa. I'm going to shave my Jiro beard. This is a month of growth. Very <laughs> impressive stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, no GC changes. I don't think any points jersey changes. Matthews moves to third. Cav moves to fourth. No KOM changes. Our teams Bahrain won, but we'll recap all that. Uh, yeah. Later. So, yeah. Tenth Grand Tour we finished, I think, on the podcast. Are we going to do watch alongs for the Tour de France? Yes, 10th. Um, we will do watch alongs for the Tour de France. De- not every stage. When Benji's yeah. here in Andorra with Luke, we will do them for the definitely the opening stage, uh, but the every sprint stage, probably not. It's a little bit uh, tiring. <laughs> Maybe but the yes, last we- 10 kilometers. <laughs> Yeah, so make sure you subscribe to the LRCP YouTube channel if you want to see those watch-alongs. Uh, we'll have them for definitely the first stage and probably the second one too because that uh, has the Hayusuke Bell, which I like very much. Um, and we would have done one yesterday if, if we were all in person, but, but we are not. Uh, uh, what's your plans for this week, Benji, then? We've got Dauphiné Sunday. It's coming up. Ooh, Jesus, Jesus Christ, it's all coming up very soon again, but I'll first recover from the Giro in the run-up towards it, and then I'll try and explore the Belgian flatlands with the bike a bit. I feel like I'm looking forward to that after not having a bike in my neighborhood here for the last week. I've been basically, yeah, I've been putting IKEA wardrobes together, and I can tell you that I spent five hours on a fucking IKEA wardrobe today, and I don't know, I'm kind of glad it was a ceremonial stage, because... Five the stress hours. of fixing that IKEA closet would have killed me otherwise. Man. That's no good. IKEA's the pits. OTL? <laughs> I gotta go to Paris on Thursday. So if you see me in Paris, don't say hello. Um <laughs> what else? What else is going on? I'm riding a little bit too. I'm flying. We should do some sort of challenge, I guess. I'm doing like we a should. pro challenge. Yeah. When we're together in Andorra, we should do a challenge with each other and we'll have a think of what is best. Maybe a, an FTP test up on a climb or something. Or Because if we do one of you on, then I know who's winning. That's a problem. Oh, I don't know. If you improve, keep going. But anyway, Pogacar's back on the bike. There was some other good racing today, like Bukul de la Mayenne, etc. And Norway's on. So if you are star for cycling and you're desperate, to watch the uh, third stage of Tour of Norway, the final stage is tomorrow on Monday. Uh, ben Tullet is leading GC there and looks in a pretty unassailable position. So yeah, that's something for you to keep keep you going on Monday. I'll be watching it. Otherwise, thanks for your listenership during the Giro, and we'll see you on Tuesday with the overall recap. Until then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 